0: take a moment and i want you to think about your life and i want you to think in terms of i'm going to get right to it uh, who has hurt you or what are those things that have caused you to suffer the most i need for you to think about this as people on god's planet we are not at a loss for our share of hurt and disappointment. There is not one person near you in this room today who have not been affected by the effects of just being human. So in other words, if, if you were born of a man or of a woman, and you continue to live this life, that one of the things that uh, you're going to have in common with me, or or you're going to have in common with the person sitting next to you, or in front of you, or behind you, that is being hurt or suffering in this world. Well, I know that some people say that Christians should never suffer. I, I don't see that. Because even Paul suffered. Even Peter suffered. So I don't, I don't buy into this, uh, this, this line of thinking that says that a victorious Christian will live this life where everything is hunky-dory, where everything is fine. I don't believe that. I don't, think, I don't think that's biblical. This was not the way it was meant to be. Did you know that? That God did not plan the human race to live with pain and suffering and hurts. But yet we deal with these issues all the time. Uh, these issues, uh, for that matter, they break our heart. They uh, uh, come to us and they break our hearts like uh, you would take a number two pencil, uh, one of those made of wood, uh, not these new ones made of plastic. And they would just come, these situations, and they would just snap and break our heart. A broken heart is not just relegated uh, to love that has been gained and and love that has been lost abruptly. No. Uh, A broken heart is also seen when a door has been shut uh, very forcefully in your face. A broken heart is when a relationship has gone sour. A broken heart can be uh, when your health has, uh, has gone south. Or even when Our imaginations have gone so wild that we begin to create uh, this way of living which is not uh, in line with reality. We are also hurt when people we love so dearly have passed on, realizing that we'll never hear them again. We're not going to be able to see them again. And we're not going to be able to touch them again. Even though sometimes you know in the back of your mind when you think of those relationships that sometimes they just got on your nerve. But yet, when you look up and they're suddenly gone, our hearts are rent. They're, they're torn. They're broken. They're shattered into pieces. As people, we are not at a loss for hurt, we will be disappointed. And we will suffer at times. So today, uh, I think this is our final installment on clearing the confusion. We're going to talk about hurt. Turn with me to Job chapter 1, verse 13. Job chapter 1, verse 13. Scripture reads, Now there was a day when his sons, and his is Job, when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And There came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans form three groups. And made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Man, isn't that enough bad news? Verse 18. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their older brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young people, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Brothers and sisters, hurt and loss are a part of this fallen world we live in. It is a hurt and loss are a part of this fallen world that we live in. I was uh, having dinner uh, with a couple of gentlemen the other day, and one of the things that they begin to tell me uh, they begin, they don't call me pastor because I'm not their pastor, so they call me Dave or they call me Dave Man, right? Dave Man, Dave Man, they say, Dave Man. Uh, 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 we're looking at us now, man, and everybody else around our age, and we see that we all fallen apart. And as we continued in conversation, it was really amazing to me because they begin to talk, and then I would finish their conversation because uh, they begin to talk and said, "You know, because when we went to so and so and and so and so," and then I would fill in the blank. Uh, so this went on and on and on to finally I said. Guys, I got to go, right? Because I could have my own conversation with myself if I wanted to. Uh, But the bottom line is, there's some things that happen to us in our life. Uh, That when you consider uh, your youthfulness when you were 18 and 19 years old, how strong you were and how nothing can stop you. Frankly, I used to feel sometimes that I could almost go through a brick wall when I was younger. I mean, I did. That's the way I felt. as Elder Swan. He'll tell you, I was a little bit on the, uh, uh, on the nice side. That sometimes I felt like I could go through a brick wall and nothing could stop me. Nothing. I was still a nice guy. But as you begin uh, to live this life, stuff happens. Stuff happens that you have absolute no control over it. Every person since the time of Adam and Eve have been exposed uh, to hurt or some level of loss. I used to always wonder when I was younger, I used to say things to myself. I never said them to anyone else but to myself. I wonder how come it seemed like a lot of older people, they don't smile much. Why is it? I I was talking to another friend of mine, and I told him, I said, man, you're just in your 50s. I said, I bet you're going to be one of these old and crotchety old men. He told me, yep, that's when I'm I'm on my way. So in other words, what he was saying is that, uh, what he was saying, but without saying is that, you know, I've just gone through so much stuff in my life that I've experienced hurt, and disappointment to the point that, you know what, I'm just going to be who I want to be and I just want to be mean. But this is the reason, right? This is the reason why uh, this Bible character, Job, has such cross-cultural appeal. You, uh, you, if you look up the word suffering, one of the people that will definitely come up, it will be Job. As much as people dislike Christians or the Bible, you look up suffering and you will see that there is a world out here who's suffering and they're trying to figure out, how do I recover? Well, as we look at Job, uh, for us uh, looking uh, at him from the outside, uh, we stand in wonderment. Because we ask ourselves the question, why could such a good man uh, suffer such bad things? But yet on the other hand, uh, one of the things that we understand that we're very cautious on whom we assign blame. When we think about blame and what happened in Job's life, uh, it is as if we walk around on eggshell because we're trying to uh, figure out heads from tail who was really responsible for all the things that happened to this man of God. Well, The human race shares not only our humanness, but again, they share, you share, I share together, The hurt and disappointments we encounter on a daily basis. No, you may not experience hurt and disappointment every single day. No, 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 no. But combined as a human race uh, that people are crying out all over this globe trying to make sense out of their situation. It may not happen to you every day, but rest assured it will somehow make its way around to become entwined in your life uh, like a colored threads are weaved together in a tapestry. Job experienced extraordinary loss. It was extraordinary. Uh, But one important thing to observe is that uh, uh, one of the habits that Uh, Job's kids had you know his sons and his daughters uh, that they liked to party Uh, It wasn't no not the kind of parties that you thinking about right Uh, Not those kind I don't think I don't know I wasn't there But the, the scripture says that they would party regularly And they would go from house to house party each other's house having a good time and the scripture tells us that what job would do after they finished partying that he would go and he go pray for his kids after his kids are out there having a good time uh, this man of god uh, whom there was nobody like it on the face of this earth he would go pray for his kids and make sacrifice for his kids because he wanted to make sure beyond the shadow of a doubt, that nothing happened to my kids. Have you ever been attached to your kids like that? That you would do anything, you would stay as long as you need to in prayer to make sure that nothing happens to my babies. And guess what? Your babies will be your babies until you guys are not on this earth anymore. Job chapter 1 verse 5. Job chapter 1 verse 5. Scripture reads And when the days of the feast had run their course Job would sin and consecrate them and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all for Job said it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts thus Job did continuously it's like Job, he said, you know, I know how crazy people get when they have parties. I know how my kids get when they want to have fun. So I want to make sure that they are covered spiritually. Bottom line, this is no different from uh, the talk that many parents give their kids before they go out on a date. Now look here now, a little, a l- little Betty Sue. Uh, Look here now, little uh, Jamal, uh, Jamal John, right? Look here now. Uh, Before you go off, there's some things you need to know. You need to make sure you keep yourself together and you watch out who you hang out with. And then you make sure you're in this house. And the best thing to do is get in the house five minutes early because I don't want you here one minute late. Because in your mind, you're thinking if they're one minute late, that they're doing something they ain't got no business doing. We have that talk with our kids before they go off to college. That talk with our kids uh, when they want to be with some friends to, uh, to participate in a school activity like a, uh, like a game, a football game. So Job, he loved his children so much that he made an effort to make sure that they were spiritually good after their, their party and their after set. Well, some adults, we also think the same way. We think the same way. Because this, uh, many adults today, uh, that they're in church, because they have said to themselves, you know what, we went out and had a a blowout time on Saturday night. And we know that there could have been some things that we've done that may not have been right. So uh, we need to appease God, so we need to at least show up in church. I used to hear that a lot, you know, uh, from some parents you know, they would, they would tell their kids, at least what you could do is come to church. No, I think that at least what you could do is give your life to Jesus. But we do, much like Job. We want to ensure both for us, we and our children are on the right side of God. So again, what was this loss that Job had experienced? Uh, Remember that there was a group of marauders. Uh, They came and they killed his servants, of which he had very many. Killed them all! In verse 16 of chapter 1, that the fire of God, right? Let me explain to you the fire of God. You see, what's happening here is, in their mind, uh, I'm not sure if there was like a, a forest fire or what the case may be, uh, but the bottom line is, in their mind, if such a massive uh, negative thing comes upon them, they automatically attribute it to God. That's why in insurance policy they say, we will cover you, we will cover you, we will cover you, unless what? It is a what? An act? I think they get this from Job. I'm serious. So he burned all his sheep. How many sheep did he have? It wasn't just like a couple over in the pen, like your experience when you used to go down south to visit your grandparents, how they maybe had maybe five or whatever kind of animals that they had. Job had 7,000 sheep. Not one or two or 20 or 50 or 100. He had 7,000. So uh, these guys, uh, I mean, this, this this natural disaster, this fire of God. It had killed 7,000 of his sheep plus all the servants that were watching them. And then if that wasn't enough, a group of Chaldeans, they came and they stole 3,000 of Job's camels. And all those servants that were watching the camels, you know what happened to them? They killed them verse 17 and then while his children were having that party a wind came and struck the home and killed all of Job's children this is at that point that we're all familiar with in Job chapter 1 verse 21 when Job cries out and he said naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm going to be honest with you. You know, Job had a relationship with God. Job had a deep relationship with God. And I'm not sure how easy it would have been for me After all this destruction, you see uh, what those 7,000 sheep represent, what those 3,000 camels represent, what all this represent was his wealth. In other words, the scripture was saying that Job was wealthy, and he had lots and lots of money, and then his money disappeared. And then during this time, you know, uh, if you needed to, Uh, uh, Live to be an older person one of the things that you counted on in order to uh, make sure that the inheritance is right, you counted on your kids and now all of his kids were gone verse 22 tells us here in chapter 1, it tells us that in all that Job experienced, never at any time did he sin or charge God with wrong That he never blamed God. I I can hear some people now, why has God done this to me? Why did God allow this to happen? Looking at what Job had gone through, if we were in that situation, it would not have been so clear as to how we would have responded. Life is sometimes hard. People don't act right. Things just don't always go the way we planned. I know people who have charged God with wrong because they didn't know where to place the blame for the situation that they have been in. And if that were not enough for Job, you think that this is the epitome of suffering and pain and hurt and, and broken heart. Because I can also imagine in my head, you know, even though with this happening, uh, that Job was, could have been saying to himself that I've been faithful to God. Not only have I gone to church, not only have I worshipped him, but I've done it for my kids as well. And the God that I serve, this is the best that you can do for me? If that were not enough. Chapter 2, verse 7. He was afflicted with sores from his feet to his head. From his feet to his head. Uh, These sores, that they were so numerous, Uh, that he would take a piece of pottery and just start scraping his sores. So many sores over his body. it said from his feet to his head uh, that he would take a piece of pottery, you know, broken pottery. Just starts scraping himself. What do you do? What, What else is there to do? There's no internet. Your friends live miles away from you. The rug has been snatched from up under you. You bless the name of the Lord and you scrape your sores. But Job still didn't respond in the way that most of us would. So his wife became that voice of reason for him. Job chapter 2 verse 9. After seeing all this mess that's happening to him, then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast your integrity curse god and die in other words it is like his wife said this i know that you're supposed to love god and all but uh, take a look what god has allowed to happen to you and your family your little babies all your money she was like saying job look at it job god he doesn't care because if he cared for you, he would take care of you. So just go ahead, Job. Get it out of your system. Curse God and die. Knowing what we know about the entire story of Job, uh, would you say that cursing God and going ahead and dying would have been a solution to his problem? Do you think that would have fixed his situation? So now I'm, I, I'm telling you this because I want you to think of your life. I want you to think of your life in those moments in which you're riding high. And then think of your life when all of a sudden y- your life, it just plummets down. You pick the reason. Question is, is it a, is it a solution to curse God and die? Difficulty with our problems is is not that we aren't really experiencing pain and hurt Our struggle is that we don't know why it happened or who to blame so we blame anyone we think is at the heart of the matter You see uh, The perfect little worlds we created uh, with uh, within our imaginations are always flawed They're always flawed Uh, your little cocoon of your family Right? The perfection of your family. That, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to do this and we're going to make sure everything's together. Guess what? You are a prime candidate to show the glory of God to Satan. You are a prime candidate. Because you are saying that God is good all the time because all the time... God is good, so I'm going to make sure that my kids, my family, my wife, my husband, everybody is together. I'm going to make sure that I walk in righteousness. And all while you're doing that, the devil is running around to and fro on the earth. Right now, the devil is running to and fro on this earth, seeking whom he may devour. Joe believed that he could fend off evil by making sure that he crossed all his spiritual T's and dotted all of his spiritual I's. As I mentioned to you last time on the message about prayer in this series, we don't always share God's perspective on what should happen. We don't know uh, always what's going on. That you don't know what what God is doing in your midst? I don't always know. Uh, A lot of times I don't know, as a matter of fact. Sometimes even I wonder. I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? Uh, That's that's my life. I'm like, Lord, what are you doing here? Some of you may not even know. that. Even when I'm talking to you, I'm asking the question, God, Lord, what's going on here? And I know you come to me, oh, God is good. And I'm, I'm looking at you and I'm asking the question, Lord, what's going on? Oh no, I'm not stopping because I believe what Jesus says when he said ask, seek, and and, and knock. I believe what the apostle Paul says to pray without ceasing. So when I'm looking at you, I'm asking the question, Lord, what's going on here? Because I don't know. And if everything ends up good, then I say praise the Lord and I go on with my life. Yet some of us uh, can identify in our own way as we have had to respond to situations uh, that some of us have almost been brought to the point of being broken. Almost, almost, almost. Almost. But some of us have made it. That you have been to that point of brokenness. Some, once, some several times in your life. I used to think that a broken heart can only happen if a woman broke your heart. I never knew when I was younger that life can break your heart. So who's responsible for your pain? Who's to blame for pain? Job chapter 1 verse 9. Job chapter 1 verse 9. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. In other words, you gave him a lot of money, God. Verse 11. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. And it seems to me that if I had to put an insert here that I would say, and the Lord said, get out of here, Satan. Verse 12. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Well, the devil is responsible for some of the greatest suffering on this earth. Uh, Yes, right. Uh, So the devil may be responsible for some of the pain that you're going through. But I don't know. Seems that the devil was out to prove that no person on this earth would stand by God if uh, they had a great dose of pain, suffering, and loss. You see, even though we're reading this story, I believe that that really Job and his, and his boys are nothing but a foil. What does that mean? I believe it is nothing but a covering. And by us removing the covering, we discover quickly at the beginning of the book of Job what this story is about and this story is about Satan wanting to destroy you and believe that you know you're really nothing you're really nothing So in other words, uh, what the devil attempts uh, to do is demonstrate that once we enter into the crucible of hard times, we will either give up uh, our faith, uh, run from reality, or blame anyone else we see. Well, the reason I'm going through this is because of you. The reason I'm going through this is because of, of you. And some folks say that, you know, the reason I'm going through this is because of God. Some people go through and say it is because of the devil. And they're saying all of this because they don't know who to blame. They don't know who to point their finger at. Yet in this situation, God clearly decided not to intervene on behalf of Job. We read that, uh, chapter 1, verse 12, only against him do not stretch out your hand. But chapter 2, verse 6, and the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hand, only spare his life. Go ahead, make him suffer. Go ahead, you are allowed to do uh, what you want to do, but you better not touch his life. Because the moment you touch his life, then you're really in trouble, Satan. Job didn't know what was going on, much like what happens in our life. We don't always know what is going on, so we become confused because we think it is because of something that we have done. Well these are consequences to sin there are consequences to sin But there is a spiritual reality that lurks all around us for which we don't always have insight as to its working and this is why do you think uh, Paul uh, has this such uh, uh, in this chapter 6 of Ephesians about spiritual warfare Why do you think Paul tells us to put on the full what armor of God Because see Paul he understood that around us, that the devil is around us trying to take opportunity. It's like uh, the person who wants to uh, break into your car. And they're like in parking lots. And they don't have a hammer or anything. All they're doing is, you know, pulling on handles. Did they lock their door? Okay, that's, that's closed. They're just walking past. Go to the next car. Do they lock their door? Okay, they're locked. And then they uh, come to a door that's unlocked and they just open up the door. You see, in our lives, brothers and sisters, you must ask the question, is your spiritual door locked? Is your spiritual door locked or will you just allow Satan simply just to walk in? Paul says, put on the full armor of God. So behind all the pain Job's experience, Again, he's trying, the devil is trying to prove a point about people to God. The devil says that people are driven by pleasure and blessings and and once those things have been stripped from us, they will no longer have any need for God. This is what he's saying. This is why consumerism in the church is so dangerous. In other words, uh, people say, uh, I'm going church shopping. And if I can't get what I want uh, from the church, then I would just go and do what? Shop for another one. You can always spot a consumer in the church because they are the ones taking it all in but giving nothing back. But I must address those who have faithfully served the Lord all of their life who are in a different season. And God has given them a different ministry. That's a different thing now. But consumerism, not only within the church but in our life. It is that very thing that the adversary, that he attacks. question remains, will you serve the Lord even when it feels like you're not being blessed? Will you serve the Lord uh, when, it, when you come to church and you don't have those chill bumps, bumps going up and down your back? Will you continue to serve the Lord? Moving on. Job felt like God was behind the whole thing. So uh, the Lord allowed us insight as to what was really going on. Uh, We don't have a chance to talk about the theological implications of what was going on between Satan and and God uh, for some other time. But in Job chapter 6 verse 4, it gives us insight into what Job was thinking. He says this, For the arrows of the Almighty are in me, Did you see that? For the arrows of... So he says that it was God who shot arrows and they are now inside of me and this is why I'm suffering. It says, my spirit drinks their poison. The terrors of God, the terrors of God are arrayed against me. Look at verse 8. Oh, that I might have my request and that God would fulfill my hope. Verse 9, that it would please God to crush me. That he would let loose his hand and just cut me off. So he was already feeling like they couldn't quite put their finger on what was going on. So he was just pleading with God, just go ahead and, just kill, me. Just go ahead and kill me all the way. <laughs> it is really something how we search and search for reasons why we are struggling uh, in so many of our situations. But not knowing the mind of God and acting like we have insight does not help our cause. Have you ever blamed God for your situation? Some of you haven't, but sometimes, you know, if you could utter those words, you may have done that before. So we saw uh, the real reason behind Job's suffering was the devil, was Satan. We see how even Job within himself, who is beginning to think that maybe God was behind this. And then in walks his good buddies, right? His good buddies. We're going to, I'm going to cut this short. Job chapter 11, verse 6. And Job's uh, friend, Zophar, believed Job was at fault. And I'm in the verse. Know then that God exacts of you less than your guilt deserves. So he's saying, oh Job, you you are guilty, Job. You are guilty to the T. But what, you, what he's saying, what you are experiencing now, because you are so guilty, the reason that you're experiencing this now, because God has just giving you a little taste. God could give you more for what you deserve, but he held back his hand. Oh, that's what friends are for, right? What a thing for a friend to say to you when you are down and out and can't get emotionally reoriented. You see, the problem is that uh, they, they knew all the facts uh, that, they, that had been known. So they knew uh, that uh, these people had come in and killed everyone, but somehow they were blaming Job. They had the wrong answer. His friend believed uh, that since God is good to the righteous, the only reasonable answer to this question would be that Job was living in sin. That was the only thing that he could come across uh, within his mind. His other friends, some of his other friends as well. They thought Job was guilty as charged and needed to shut up and repent so that his life can get back on track. This is like salt in the womb, brothers and sisters. They add insult to injury mainly because they are not based in truth. While it is true there are consequences to sin, it is also true that every bad thing that happens may not be because of sin. Remember uh, the, how the disciples had asked Jesus about the blind guy? Whose sin? Was it his mother or his father? Jesus said, ah, you don't even know what you're talking about. No, it wasn't because it's was all for the glory of God. Story of Job, it's really for the glory of God. So what I'm saying to you is some of the things that you're working, walking through in your life right now, some of the things that you're trying to get past, it could be that God is trying to demonstrate his glory through you. You say, well, I don't want any glory like that. And I have to admit, you know, just even preaching a message like this, you know, God, he convicts me. Because I say to myself, in the back, when I'm preparing a message like this, I say to myself in the back of my mind, Lord, you know I don't want to go through none of this. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Right? I've had to walk through dark days and and, and, and walking through one dark day is enough for me to say I never want to walk through another. But yet they happen. God gives us Job. So don't curse God and die. But continue to have faith because you don't know the whole story. Yet it could be true that some of the things that have happened to you may be because of the sins of others. The sinfulness of others may spill over into your life to the point that you may suffer for it. All we have to do is think of the countless people who have been victimized by those who are committing crimes. This works out the same way with Joel, this devil who's running around just trying to kill people. You know, why do you think, why do you think that, uh, that God had to tell Satan only his life, leave his life alone? Why do you think he had to tell him that? Why do you think that God had instructed Satan not to touch his life? That, in other words, he must, why do you think he had to tell him that? He had to tell him that because the devil really wants to kill all of us. Did you know that? The devil wants to kill you. He wants to distract you. He wants to get your mind off of God and get you involved in mess uh, that will not bring glory to God. Ultimately, the devil wants to kill you. Scripture says he comes uh, to do what? Nothing but kill? <laughs> oh, Satan is not here to give you a good time. Uh, he's he's going to get you hooked on whatever you hooked on, but sooner or later, he is seeking for your destruction. So what do you do when you find yourself in this situation? Let's turn to the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Maintain your focus and reliance upon God. And this is hard to do when you're when you're suffering. Maintain your focus and reliance on God. Second Corinthians, chapter one, verses eight and nine. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experience in Asia. There you go again for those who say that disciples or apostles did not have to go through anything. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experience in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. See that? We despaired of life itself. Verse 9. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us Rely not on ourselves, but on God, who does what? Raises the dead. See, what, what, what Paul was saying, what he was saying was this. He says that we thought that we were almost to the point of death, but we still were not without hope, because we know God raises the dead. Here it is for you, right? Here it is. One of the reasons that we see so many resurrection p- pictures, people who are alive, who, who had passed away, and one of the people that came uh, to my mind, especially if you're studying uh, the Old Testament with me, and, uh, and we see that God had, God had made Abraham a promise that he would make him a great nation. He would multiply his seed as, as numerous as the sea. And it's like, well, wait a minute, God made a promise to him, and he did not live to see that promise. Here it is. God resurrects Abraham. Abraham will walk this, he will walk again, he will live again, and he will see for himself the promise fulfilled. So you see, Paul, he understood that even though that we were at the point of death, uh, Paul, what he was saying is that that, uh, we should not rely on ourselves but on God, have faith in God. Because even if we were to be brought to the point of death, God raises us from the dead. Regardless of your situation, lean on Jesus sometimes our problems are such that we really do not know why or how they have entered into our lives it oftentimes leaves us dazed and confused as we make a valiant attempt uh, to get ourselves right side up rely on the Lord uh, as your sole source of strength the younger you are the less you depend on the Lord The older you get, the more you realize that all that you are and all that you possess, it is not because of you. It is only because of the Lord. This is exactly the place where the Lord wants you if you are dealing with some hurt and pain in your life today. God still wants to use you and and you will become a bright spot uh, in the lives of others. Why? Because of your steadfast love for Jesus Christ. If you have been blessed with braces... Say that again. If you have been blessed with braces or have known someone who has been blessed with them, then you understand this concept of enduring pain to get the best. Each person that undergoes these procedures may have to first endure a time in which some of their teeth are extracted. Because someone has looked into that mouth and said, Whoa, Nelly, we need to get that right. And then you go to the professional he says, well, before we can make your, your, your smile beautiful again, uh, we got to take some teeth out your mouth. So then they go through that round and they snatch some of those teeth out your mouth. And I know they probably said, Whoa, I'm glad that's over with. And then the dentist say, okay, next, we have to start the wiring process. We got to harness you up now. And they take that wire and they in and out those teeth and it's like pain again and I know those with braces they said I'm glad that's over with then after a few weeks they go in to see that dentist and what does the dentist do tighten more pain and then after that they're done right oh no oh they come back for more tightening treatments You see what happens in our life when we're going through pain, we're having tightening treatments. That when we have these tightening treatments, uh, that that what God wants to display is this bright spot, is this glorious person who loves Jesus Christ. Because even though you're going through the pain now, even though you're going through the suffering now, God knows that one day that you are going to be beautiful. Oh, yeah, we're not going to get it all now, but God knows that you're going to be beautiful in his sight because you have experienced the extraction, those things that have been removed out of your life that you thought that were a part of your life and that you love so dearly uh, that somehow they were extracted from your life. You have experienced the invasion of that substance, of those things uh, that had nothing to do with you, but the sole purpose of being there was to make you more beautiful. You have experiencing the tightening, the pressure of your job, the pressure of your kids, the pressure of bills, the pressure of life that continues just to squeeze and tighten and tighten and tighten. But know this, know this, that at the end of the day, that you will glorify God because of your faithfulness.